Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello and welcome to a special emergency edition of the Rabona podcast. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Musa Kongo once again. I'm joined by Ryan Hun and we'll also be joined later by Ken Early, who's written a fantastic piece for the Irish Times about Mourinho's tenure at Manchester United, comparing him to Napoleon. Michael De Silva is indisposed and so is Jose Mourinho. Oh no, Michael wanted nothing to do with this. Michael is he's, he's not indisposed, he's just traveling and working we'd uh, broken up for our for our christmas holidays and then man united decided to do this they did indeed they did uh so yeah marina is gone what to be said it feels um, weird actually do you know how it feels it feels as if the uk government just cancelled no deal brexit that's how it feels to me when i the release but that's, that's that sounds like a joyous moment it, yeah, kind of it, was, doesn't, it doesn't seem as joyous as... no it was well you weren't you didn't you weren't me getting the news i got the news at 12 past 11 yesterday morning Berlin time and I was euphoric I was absolutely euphoric because I just thought to myself you know when you have a I don't know not a breakup that doesn't work you know a relationship doesn't work it was just like a release from something like you've been told the medical bill wasn't as expensive as you thought it was or something it, these these were people who were just desperately unhappy mm. you know it was like United I mean Barney Roney compared it to a celebrity marriage in the Guardian and it I saw the point it's a brilliant analogy because really it was one of those relationships where people stay together for the sake of the kids, but they shouldn't be doing it. They should never have done it in the first place. They shouldn't have. They should. Well, look, I mean, to give Mourinho credit, you know, he won the Europa League. He helped to restore some sense of grandeur to United when Ibrahimovic came in. Came second in the Premier League. Like, don't get me wrong, these, these are significant achievements. Absolutely, absolutely. Mourinho's achievements at United also throw his legacy into sharp focus because somebody that's won as much as he has should be beloved, and he's not. Yeah. Also, it was a job that he really, really wanted, and he just hasn't delivered on the level that he would have hoped to, I don't think. There's a Rob Dawson article, I think it was Rob Dawson in ESPN uh, this morning, and it was talking about Mourinho behind the scenes behaving as if he never truly wanted the job. Really? Now, there's a lot of briefing against Mourinho, don't get me wrong, there'll be a lot of that in the months to come. The sense, though, that behind the scenes, he was ill at ease from pretty much the beginning is pretty revealing and it's so strange because I, I look at him and go to myself like does this guy enjoy football like could he not do with a proper sabbatical i think he needs one now he's been coaching non-stop for how many years yeah i mean there's been times over the last couple of years where he's looked, just looked 
completely knackered and just, yeah, not happy. But, but I think it's deeper. I think there's a sport, football's such a strange sport because it's so globalised, but it's so insular. You can travel the world as a football manager, but only see the inside of the interior of like, you know, big buildings. Mm. You know, you can only be at press conferences, you know. How much of that has been like the gilded cage? And with Mourinho's like sort of particular psyche, his way of operating, that becomes exhausting. You know, you look at someone like Alexis Sanchez, who's basically played flat out for how many seasons? Mourinho's managed flat out with that level of intensity. He's almost like a sort of Chilean intensity manager. Like that's burnout. At what point does that just become a miserable state of affairs for everyone involved, including him? Yeah. Looking back now, I think the Madrid job was the turning point for Mourinho's career. and. Although he has won trophies since, you know, he won the league in his second season back at Chelsea. He won the Europa League and the League Cup with Manchester United, gone back into the Champions League. But I think we've talked about this before. There seemed to be something about that Madrid job that changed him in a way. And I think it was the first time maybe where he's come up against someone so regularly with Pep that was so clearly superior to him in terms of where the game was going and where Pep saw the game going and also even though Mourinho has been at some pretty big institutions I think he's always felt like he was bigger than that or that he was restoring he was restoring yeah yeah and I think for the first time at Madrid he felt maybe he wasn't and I think you've seen that with Manchester United as well I think that I don't think he ever really felt in control maybe and I don't think the club ever felt in control of the situation just all around it was a mess I'm glad it's come to an end in terms of for United fans because it was never going to get better under him so you might as well have just pulled the plug and right. this doesn't mean that it's going to miraculously get better because the problems at Manchester United as we know are, are, are far bigger than just Jose Mourinho but it had to happen and it had to happen soon and I mean in terms of why it's happened now well, it's pretty clear what's happened now. I mean, I mean, like, look, I mean, they didn't, did you really want to go through another transfer window of having to say no? Do you, who, who wants 30 more days or how long the transfer window is of being like, no, you're not buying that player. Not, you're not, no, it's awful. And also, I think you mentioned before about the, um, we were talking before we came to the podcast about share prices. Yeah. So like the share values dropped by a third since August at Manchester United. Since August. Which has, I mean, up until... Yesterday, I think it had wiped almost a billion pounds off the value of the club since August, which is it's extraordinary. crazy. And as soon as Mourinho got fired yesterday, you saw the um, share price start to increase again. So there's obviously a clear, there's a clear reason why it happened this week. I think that was the lowest point it has been since he's been in charge. Well, we're here and I don't want to lose this sort of thread or train of thought. Will they take the proper lesson from this, which is that you do need football structures? You know, I mean, everyone's talked about the director of football so often, but have they actually got to the point where, you know, like Edward has made a career as a banker, right? And a bank has got structures. It has actual, you know, CFO, CEO. Is, he, is the penny eventually going to drop with him and be like, oh, a football club is a modern institution, just like the banks I made my money in. Like, is he not, is the penny going to drop? Is he actually going to be, okay, well, actually a way to keep shareholder value and share value high is, is to bring these structures in. Is he actually going to get it? Because we've been talking about it. Everyone's been talking about it for years. This is not a new conversation. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if he's going to get it. I think someone at the club has to get it. I mean, but it's, it's unbelievable because there must be, what, the board of directors at United mm. and him and everybody else gets it. Everyone else talks about it regularly. I'm sure they do to an extent, but I just, I'm so amazed by how insulated Woodward and the Glazers are from these critiques. It's unbelievable. Like in the age of social media, in the age of like 
24 hour press coverage are they just sort of is it just white noise to them i'm just so intrigued because Mourinho now i'm not particularly interested in defending Mourinho because he's walked away with a 20 odd million payout and he's going to i just think Mourinho should go to china and have a wonderful time in a city where no one recognizes him just go and enjoy some nice fine food where's that town where um Paulinho went to play Guangzhou, is it? Yeah, I think the food's so. meant to be amazing. It's meant to be like a. You know, I have some thoughts on where he might end up, Mourinho, but I'll yeah, say them but, for but, later. Yeah, but 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 rewinding to that, because when Mourinho is now he's kicked out such a storm cloud in departing, like a dust cloud. Sorry, this is going to be lost in the haze. I don't particularly care for the Glazers and their political leanings. That's a conversation for another day. But put the structures in place. Listen to your people. Listen to how a well-run football club should be run. Look at Dortmund. Look at Atletico. There are blueprints everywhere. This isn't rocket science. Just you know, look at what they're doing copy it no shame in that yeah i mean i don't want to bring up arsenal but there's parallels with arsenal i think you know no, you should. Um, you should and um and also a, a encouraging signs that it can be done and done quite quickly i think that if you spoke to any arsenal fan 18 months ago and said um you know by the end of 2018 you will have a director of football another chief executive a head of recruitment from dortmund and a new manager who you know the transition has been very smooth that's my point for a club that was dominated by one central figure very much like Manchester United were under Sir Alex Ferguson you know and and, and I had no real confidence that Arsenal could kind of execute that plan that quickly so whilst there are huge 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 concerns from a United fan perspective on how the club is set up how it's run and what happens next I think that um this Solskjaer appointment is um is interesting because it's a very definitive short-term arrangement that is almost buying them time. They've, they've essentially written off the season. Right. And I think that will allow them to focus on putting those structures into place for the, whoever the next manager is, which they have to do because they're not going to attract a really top-level man, manager at that club, I don't think, without the, yeah. the, those systems in place. And no. whoever that manager is going to be, they have to start the conversation with his people now. Yeah, I mean, one of my best mates, Dave, he's a big, big Manchester United fan, long, lifelong Manchester United fan. And he summed it up really nicely. He sent me, we were texting about it yesterday, and he said it's a nest of vipers there at the moment. Absolutely. Well, that's exactly the phrase that Daniel Taylor um, mentioned in relation to Chelsea at a certain point. And Manchester United fans might hate the analogy or the comparison with Chelsea, but it's got to be said, the Chelsea board have acted very decisively in recent years and successfully, it has mm. to be said. You know, bringing in Hiddink as, the, you know, Chris Hiddink as the caretaker manager has been hugely successful. Bringing a caretaker in order to proceed to the end of the season when it's not working and get someone in. And it's worked for Chelsea. High turnover of managers, mm-hmm. but hugely effective. Mm. And United might say, we don't want to be a higher and fire club. Well, Sir Axe Ferguson is such an anomaly among managers that he's created a sense that Oh, we back the manager. Well, yeah, of course you back a genius. Of course you back Steve Jobs if he's CEO of Apple. Of course you back the manager if he's demonstrably a genius, Mm -hmm. right? And of course you back the manager if he's demonstrably happy and loved and he has a rough patch, but you can see the the progression. If you can't see the progression, what's the point? Yeah, I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But the problem is it's been broke and broken for a while. Right. So, you know, David Moyes was never the right guy, I don't think. Um, I think in an ideal world, he would still be manager and Manchester United will be, would have been quite successful and he would have made that progression up. I mean, you know, you know it, I could see the thinking behind it originally. I wasn't, com- I wasn't ever confident that 
Moyes would be able to do it, but I could understand the wishful thinking, if you like. I get the wishful thinking. However, to then follow it up with Louis van Gaal and now Jose Mourinho, that's three managers in a row that have, whilst, you know, van Gaal and Mourinho won trophies, something is just, it's not been the same Manchester United. And yeah, the next appointment is probably the the most important appointment that they'll make since they appointed Ferguson, I think, because they're at a real crossroads. But a lot of that depends on them, as we said before, putting those structures in place. It's funny, though, because I, I look at that and I think they just have so much money, but not only so much money. If you look at that squad, Manchester United arguably had the best World Cup of any major team in terms of how far their players advanced into the competition. Apart right. from Spurs, maybe? Spurs, no. well, but no, but look at France, when they had players that, you know, United players that won the damn thing. Well, and the semis- Spurs' captain was lifted the World Cup. And, the, you know, they had a lot of Belgians in there. So, uh, well, if we look at Loris, do you want to go into Loris's final? Do we want to talk about the, the hey, World Cup final? At we can side? do. He ended up lifting the thing. So He, he did. He did. But, but, <laughs> I'm just doing that because Michael's not here. You know, I've got to, like, yeah, I, can, I can hear him being like, hey. But, let's, but so United had um, a very strong World Cup and they've got quality in that squad. And I just feel like there is so much to be done there. But, but it can be turned around a lot faster than people think. A lot faster. So I think, you know, Solskjaer's appointment is interesting. And who they get in next. I mean, we were going to sort of talk about um, where Mourinho goes next, but I don't know. We can talk about that. I'm not entirely... That doesn't captivate me, to be honest, because I think I don't think he should be doing a football job next. Everyone's like, oh, go to Madrid. I'm like, why are you staying? Why is this... This <clears throat> man is clearly not enjoying coaching. He's not enjoying football. Everyone's like, oh, go and take this job. No, just go on holiday. He like, needs a break. Yes, yeah. Sure. Go, go, no, but a proper break, not a kind of like year off waiting by the phone. He needs to spend some time in his own home for a while. I think, just, you know, I, think, like, I think he needs to wonder. I think he needs to read some... But actually, on that tip, you know, as much as... I mean, I don't really have much sympathy for Jose Mourinho. I've never really warmed to him as a manager. I mean, he's never managed a club I support, so maybe... I, I, he strikes me as one of those people that, you know, especially in his golden age, if he was managing your club, you'd love him. And if he wasn't, then you hate him. But something changed this season with him where... I still found him a little bit annoying, but it, it, it didn't wind me up as much as it used to. And it's because he's just not as relevant anymore, which sounds horrible. But what I was going to say was, whilst those are my feelings about him in terms of like a football sense and how he's behaved and stuff like that. I mean, it, can you imagine living in a hotel for two and a half years whilst your family is still in your family home? It's, you like, know, King, it's like King Lear, though. You know, is, like when King is, Lear the, loses the fool. And he's on the cliff and he's like just wailing in the storm. It's like that. Like it's so, it is like, it's so sort of, it's like he was like a medieval monarch. But it's just weird because it it's, so weird. you know, it's, it's, I wonder, and I don't want to kind of play, you know, I'm much a psychologist here, but I do wonder how much that can affect someone in such a high pressure environment. Just you know? not having your people near you, like, you know, just being in Manchester, there's such an impermanence to it. It's just weird. To it. yeah. it's, it's just really weird. And I think that there's too much about this whole appointment from the very beginning that suggested it was never going to work. Why did Manchester United agree to sign a contract extension with him earlier this year? Having seen what happened at Chelsea, seen his track record, doing that at that point, I kinda, it kind of just felt inevitable that this was how it was going to end. And if it's, the thing that worries me is that if it, if it seemed inevitable for someone like me, who is very much an amateur, then why did it not seem 
inevitable for people who are paid a lot of money and are very much professionals. Because when you're in it, you know, when you're in an intense relationship, mm. you can't see it till you get out of it. Yeah, I think, maybe. I honestly think it's that when you're in an intense relationship and you break up with them and then afterwards everyone's like, oh, we're so glad you broke up with them. And you're like, why didn't anyone say anything? You're like, well, because you were in it. You were in it. And we, we may have hinted or tried to say it, but you were so consumed by it. And I think they were so consumed. You think about this, you've got a plummeting share price. What do you do? Oh, you give them a contract to show you back the manager because maybe the share price is plummeting because everyone's like, they don't back the manager. Mm. Uh, and this guy's won a Europa League. You know, he won a European title. That's big. Wow, he won a European title. That, you know, it's the Europa League. That's a, that's a big thing, right? That's it's a not tough an easy tournament. competition to it's win. It's a tough tournament to yeah. win. And against that Ajax team, yeah. that's really impressive, right? So you do all that. You know, Pogba scores in the final. That's amazing for branding. Like anyone that can get Pogba to that level, like Mourinho is showing flashes of getting the best out of the world's most expensive player at that time. So you, you see what happens. Then also there's, a, there's an element of desperation. It's panic because Guardiola is streaking ahead at City. This is a club that was not really even in the rearview mirror when the Glazers took over. 2005, Man City were an afterthought. And they've just risen slowly, inexorably, and across town, looking across town, the Glazers are thinking, what is happening? The other half of Manchester. Every year we look, they're growing, they're making an acquisition. Who do we stop him with? And you know, you look at it, look at the great CEOs, um, you know, Guardiola, if Guardiola is sort of the kind of the Steve Jobs, well, we've got to find our Steve Jobs. Who's the closest thing to Steve Jobs? It's Mourinho, two Champions Leagues. There's a logic there. You know, Mourinho was hired as a Guardiola stopper, right? And as Gary Neville said, damningly, no one even mentions them in the same sentence anymore. And that, yeah. you know, to me, so this is the danger with United is United have to appoint a manager next, whoever it is, who does not define themselves in opposition to Guardiola, a manager who has their own ideas, mm. right? Who has their own vision, whoever that is, and that's why when I heard the Zidane rumours, I got very anxious because Zidane does not, he has many things, but he does not have a clear footballing philosophy. Mm. That is what concerns me because that, you know, Zidane, whatever he might or might not win at United if he did arrive, would not leave a legacy. He wouldn't leave a thing, a style. Do you know what? He'd actually be a decent caretaker manager, Zidane. Someone who can just come in and be like, right guys, Listen to me. Do this. Do this. Do this, and I'm gone at the end of the season when there's a proper plan. I think that's right. I think that's but, um, but kind of like just backtracking a little bit and going back to Mourinho. As chaotic as the club has been off the pitch, and I think I said this on Monday's podcast. Obviously, there has there have been elements of chaos there, but it's not been hirings and firings and infighting and all this kind of stuff. How much do you think Mourinho has underperformed as Manchester United manager? Oh my goodness, he has severely underperformed. In, in, over, over the entire three years. Mm. A difficult beginning, but then turned it round. Finishing second in the league, De Gea played out of his mind, but give Mourinho some, you know, a great deal of credit. You come second in the Premier League. I mean, Mourinho said, we overperformed to, to come second. I don't know if that's fair, actually. I think you have to give himself credit. If you come second in the Premier League, you're not there by accident. You're not. You're not. He said, he said it was one of his greatest achievements in football. It was an incredible achievement. It also burned people out mm. because the levels of intensity, the hire and fire, the turnover rate that he needed in order to get there, the ruthlessness. I mean, the treatment of Mkhitaryan, I will always find that inexcusable. Some might say, Arsenal fans might say, oh, he's not much cop. Mkhitaryan in Germany was at the forefront of perhaps the best Borussia Dortmund attack that Bundesliga has ever seen. Mm. They were unbelievable. And he was the brains of it. 20 odd goals almost 30 assists, was 
magnificent and he's a fragile temperament and he brought he was brought to Old Trafford and Mourinho broke him. Hmm. Mourinho broke him. And I, I find that on a personal level, on a pastoral care level, absolutely inexcusable because German pundits were saying, what is he doing going there? When he goes there, Mourinho will break him. And that's exactly what he did. And I will always actually harbour some level of personal resentment for that. Just because I think one of the greatest indictments of Mourinho is the wastage of talent, the wastage of great talent, and this sort of this bullying, this culture of bullying that he inculcated at United. And yes, finishing second was a tremendous achievement. Absolutely it was. But he had such an incredible moment after, um, and this is where the underachievement comes, and we're coming to your point. All those players are coming off an incredible World Cup. This was the moment to build bridges with people like Pogba. This was the moment. He's a pundit on Russia today, so he's literally got this global microphone, and he comes out and he just basically renews the feud with Pogba. Why? Because he can, because he's Marino, that's what he does. And that was the moment. I really wonder what would have happened if, 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 if Marino had come out and said, how amazing, this is the Pogba. We know he's had a tough time at United. The press has got on his back, but he's our player. He's brilliant. He's my player. He's the emblem of the, Uni- of the new United. If Marino had come out and just all guns blazing, full charm offensive, but he didn't. And that's why I think he underperformed. Because can you imagine the great coaches of our time? Can you imagine Greg Popovich doing that? Can you imagine if Kawhi Leonard behaved really badly all year, then turned it around, became an incredible team player? I can't imagine Popovich coming out and going and just trashing him. I can imagine Popovich taking the chance. So that, this, this, that was that famous story a couple of years ago about Lamarcus Aldridge, where he, um, you know, he signed with the, the San Antonio Spurs on a free agency right. and wanted a trade. And it was the first time anyone had come to Pop and said that he wanted a trade. And actually, Popovich, who I think at the time was 67, 66 maybe, I think 67, said, I'd been overcoaching him. I was coaching him the wrong way. Right. And at 67 years old, having won five championships and being arguably one of the greatest basketball coaches of all time, he stepped back and looked his own and analysed and assessed his own methods in order to make this guy better and listen to this guy. And now Aldridge has stayed and he's amazing. And this is the thing about Mourinho. I Thank think. you. You've put your finger on it. Thank you. I'm like, glad. Yeah, yeah. He, he, it's always someone else's fault. And at every club he's been at, he's had like soldiers. Do you know what I mean? There's been one or two in the dressing room that are like his guys. Absolutely. And that is the only reason he brought Zlatan in at Manchester United. And as soon as Zlatan left, he knew that was it. Because he had a guy in there who everyone else in the dressing room would look up to and he's basically, who is basically on his side, you know? As soon as Latan went, who else is there? Who's the other person who's going to kind of be like, no, actually, guys, this guy's all right. Like, listen to him. Exactly. You're at Rui Faria. You know, we, I mentioned King Lear before and King Lear loses his fool and it all goes to pieces. And Rui Faria, for years, was Mourinho's fool, loses him, and Mourinho just spins out of orbit. And the worst thing was, people literally predicted this. And the reason Mourinho eventually underperformed was his inflexibility, his inability to take olive branches, because there was momentum. You know, we can be revisionist now, but I genuinely think there was momentum after that World Cup. United, you know, finishing second. Let's just, let's put it behind us. Let's, mm-hmm. do an, let's try something different. And, you know, there were elements of Mourinho, and to his credit, you look at the game against Spurs where he tries to play a different formation and push things, and you can see him trying to make it work. And I said this before, Mourinho is someone, this is his tragedy, his and no one else's. I think Mourinho likes to be liked. That's why he's over, going over to Eddie Howe at the end of matches, you know, putting the arm around his shoulder or 
you know, making overtures towards people. I think he likes to be liked. I mean, when Raniero um, got sacked by Leicester, Mourinho came out with a beautiful <clears throat> statement, a really lovely statement. Yeah. But then Mourinho seemed to forget that he'd called Ranieri like a kind of pathetic old man. Yeah, I agree. Let's take a break and then get Ken on the phone. We're now joined by the wonderful Ken Early, who's written a fantastic piece about Jose Mourinho comparing him to Napoleon. And Ken... (laughs) What an intro. Yeah, well, Ken. On Twitter at, at Ken Earlies. Ken, so Mourinho has now departed. Now, this departure, is it Mourinho's failure at United? Was it down to him primarily, Ed Woodward, or a mixture of both? Oh, no, I think it was him. Mainly him, yeah. I don't think that it's, it's obviously not a very good system that they've got at United. I think that it's been a badly run club. Ever since Ferguson left, that's that much is obvious. I mean, it's probably because you know Ferguson had been running for so long and kind of had it all in his head in a way. And when he was gone, and David Gill left at the same time, then they kind of weren't really sure how everything worked. I mean, it seems as though they're trying to at last get on top of that situation. I mean, five years later, um, bringing in directors of football and technical directors, and you know, putting in place the kind of at least a little a little bureaucracy that can insulate Ed Woodward from <laughs> from the next time everything goes belly up, mm. uh, can sort of take him away from the, the front line of uh, criticism. But I mean, I, I do think, yeah, I, I think that um, a lot of other managers might have made a better fist of it in Jose's position. I mean, you know, he, he's complaining about not being given players. He's complaining about not being given central defenders. You know, he bought a central defender by, he bought another central defender in Lindelof. You know, he, he actually did sign players and they were pretty, you know, for some pretty chunky um, prices. You know, it wasn't like he was shopping off the bottom shelf or, you know, he, he didn't get to use that. Remember his Waitrose eggs metaphor yeah. <laughs> from um, Chelsea? You know, the, I think the thing that finally um, made Roman Abramovich decide to push the ejector button the first time was like, um, well, you know, if you're trying to buy eggs and all the best eggs are in Waitrose, then I guess you're just going to have some pretty shitty eggs. Well, this is the thing. Um, I mean, sorry to yeah. cut in, Ken, but he did like spend nearly four hundred million pounds in two and a half years. Of which... course, no, he, he spent more than than managers who are doing a lot better than him. You know, Klopp and, and Pochettino, most obviously. Um, so, you know, while you can also look at Manchester City and say, well, they have spent uh, a lot of money, um, I do feel as though they've made a lot better use of the money. I mean, they they both spent fifty million pounds on midfielder. Man City bought Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. Um, Jose Mourinho bought Fred. You know, yeah, I mean, so fifty million. So, you can get an elite midfielder. You probably get a couple for that money. You know, Lucas Torreira. Yeah, you can you, you can, can get you can. outstanding 50 midfielders is, for fifty. Is, is more than any is more than any Tottenham midfielder. More than any Liverpool midfielder. Right? I mean, they're you know we're talking about. Um, uh, you should be buying a fairly top of the range player now. Maybe they bought a bad player for money. I mean, somebody I'm sure will will point out that well. The, Brian, it was a couple of years ago. Fifty million doesn't buy the same anymore. Well, fifty million still buys you actually quite a lot. It's not, yeah, <laughs> you know, right, right, exactly. That's not, yeah, yeah. One thing I want to say as well. I mean, uh, so we, we've got Mourinho. Um, we've been discussing him at length, but United have got hold of Solskjaer now. Now, this caretaker move. Where do you see that going? Is that kind of a smart gambit, a crowd pleaser, or do you think he's actually got the substance to get this job pers- um, sort of permanently? 
Well, we don't know uh, the answer to this to the last question. We don't know that yet because uh, what we've seen is a guy who's done pretty good work uh, with a much smaller club at Malda. Uh, I mean, people are always sort of saying, oh, the most important thing for a manager is, you know, get the right club, uh, you know, because a good club can make you look good and uh, one that's not good can make you look bad. Now, Cardiff was one that was not good at that time. Solskjaer ended up looking bad. Uh, it was a real disaster. So obviously on the basis of that, you know, a few months that he was in Cardiff, you know, he's not, he, he, it wasn't a great audition for any uh, bigger job. But I don't really feel as though he can be judged necessarily on that. Uh, is it a crowd pleaser? Yes, I think it's absolutely a crowd pleaser. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with, with uh, pleasing a crowd from time to time. I mean, there's a crowd that's had to put up with a lot of nonsense uh, over the past few years. And Solskjaer is a player who is like universally loved, I think, at Manchester United because he was a player who seemed to love the club as much as uh, fans. Right. Mm. You know, he was a guy who, you know, you know, you know, the fans go, oh, I'd give my right ball to play for this club and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And Solskjaer actually seemed to have that attitude. You know, yeah. he, he was the guy who sat on a bench. He never threw the toys out of the pram. He never, never, um, Got, got angry or, or complained or joined Tottenham. That, that was the thing that was always happening. Tottenham were always trying to sign him. He was just happy to play for Man United and do as well as he could for them when they came on. So he had this like perfect attitude from the point of view of a supporter. Uh, and then you add in the fact that he scored the most, you know, the, the most dramatic goal in the history of uh, the club to seal the greatest achievement in the yeah. greatest season in the history of the club. You know, that's, that's like a, a, a bit of a club legend you've got there. What do you think he would have to do to even be involved in the conversation for potentially staying? Um, be in charge when the team played some good matches. Yeah. Uh, won, won some, won a couple of big games, and you know, generally looked in better shape at the end of this process, uh, at the end of the season, rather than than they do right now. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, I think he he's also got this sort of. He he obviously has worked for United before. Yeah, you know, he's he's you know he's been Pogba's coach before. I'm sure they're hoping that he can sort of get more out of Pogba than Mourinho managed. I mean, Mourinho had stopped trying you know a long time ago and was just sort of tormenting Pogba the, you know for the last few months. Right. Yeah. Um. So so I'm sure they'll be hoping to see some um some sort of payback there. He's a he's like a reasonable guy, you know for. Woodward to deal with. He's not like a, a kind of a messy, like like the previous manager. He's not sort of looking, he, he doesn't have that sort of edge of right. paranoia and intrigue. You know, he he's he's like a reasonable guy. He'll sit around the table and say, you know, what, what have we got? You know, talk to Woodward, talk to everybody. You know, he probably won't go around sort of humiliating people or making violent, dramatic gestures. Uh, these are all, these, these things are all going to be a sweet relief. I think mainly he's just a sort of like a, a comforting balm of an appointment, you know, one that fans can like. Everybody's going to be like, yeah, you know, Ollie, we all like Ollie. Let's see, let's see how he goes. We can get behind this. Because the last, the last few months have just been so divided, so miserable. You know, this dwindling band of like Mourinho fanatics. You see it at all the recent uh, jobs that he's had sort of arguing oh you know he's he's a winner it's the players who are the fault and everyone else just saying oh, i just wish it's all this was over Trump, now it is it? Yeah. So, so you know one thing I want to say, Ken, and yeah. throw this in, we've had you know in terms of Manchester United managers so far we've had quite reactive choices we've had the continuity coach in David Moyes uh, Van Hal was meant to be the sort of the infrastructure guy didn't work then we had the kind of you know the kind of the anti-Guardiola the anti-Pep of Mourinho what do United do at this point, you know, in terms of their strategy in the long term? Do they go for, well, do they have a long-term strategy? Because they've lost so much identity. Do they go for someone who can win, but win in their own right? Like a kind of Conte? Or do they go for an infrastructure guy, like a kind of Howe or a Pochettino? 
I, I don't think Conte would be a good move. I mean, I think Conte, you've got a lot of the same problems as you have with Mourinho, but it's sort of in a less entertaining form. Right. Um, I mean, Conte, I think, is, is, is a bit more advanced tactically than, than Mourinho, but he kind of brings it in a particular way, you know, that sort of Italian, you know, basically kind of an updated Mourinho football. He, he was better at motivating players recently, but then, you know, you had the same, I think what really put them off, Conte, is the way in which he fell out with the club in just the same way that, that um, not quite the same way as Mourinho, but, you know, there was a few of the same characteristics, complaining about signings and, yeah. you know, blah, 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 and just, just kind of taking, washing the dirty laundry in public, you know, making it clear there were issues. And remember that happened with Conte at Juventus as well. You know, yeah. like Juventus, Conte had, had a version of the Mourinho Waitrose line about, um, well, uh, you went, Juventus were kind of saying, yeah, we'd like to win the Champions League now, Antonio. I think this is going great, but like, let's, uh, let's do a bit better in Europe because the last few campaigns haven't been too good. And he didn't he come out with a line like, uh, if uh, you cannot eat at a 100 euro restaurant if you have only 10 euros in your pocket. Oh, you my know, goodness. These, these are the <laughs> sorts of things that really annoy clubs. Right. Yeah. And and so the kind of people who who hire managers are just like, do I want to work with a guy like this? Like he's, you know, he's he's really passionate about football. You know, Mourinho seemed to have lost interest in the game in, in to some extent. He lost the sort of intensity. Conde obviously still has that when it comes to the game, but can, you know, do you really need all this? It just kind of maybe feel like too much for continuation. So let's forget him. Well, Gunnar Solskjaer must be in with a chance. See how that goes. I mean, the the obvious parallel with with Solskjaer, Solskjaer is. Um, you know, King Kenny at Liverpool a few right. years back. Mm. Uh, he was brought in in similar circumstances with things at Low Web, and his and the main reason he was brought in was sort of although in in that case the supporters were actually demanding dog leash and they were singing his name and so on. But like it, the main thing was just to say, you know, lads, we're all we're all in this together. You know, this is a great club, uh, and to sort of remind everyone we are Liverpool. You know, that that was his brief essentially. Yeah, right. And then he actually did really well the first few months, and they ended up giving him the job permanently. That's when things kind of went. Went south for um, for King Kenny, mm. um, so that that could happen. You know, if Solskjaer is 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 winning matches and playing good football, which which could happen, it's not reason right. why necessarily it can't happen. I mean, I think the players are, are much better than they've been showing. Mm. Um, then you know he's in with a chance. So so he he would have to be on the list. Uh, who else? I mean, the the big the the kind of obvious one that that everybody um, is aware of, and that. And that's uh, there's plenty of reports to the effect that um, United, you know, he's their number one target is Pochettino, and I do think a Pochettino would be a great choice for them, and, it, and would be a great manager uh, if they could get him. The difficulty is getting him. On one hand, you can, in, on one hand, going from Tottenham to Manchester United would be a normal move for a player to make. Yes, or has been. You know, I mean, there's plenty of who've done it just in the last few years, but. It's kind of an unusual move for a manager, I think. You know, in the sense that Pochettino has, has put together this great team at Tottenham. Yeah. I mean, not not single-handedly, but, you know, it is it, it is his team. They've been doing really well. They're doing a lot better than United. Uh, they've just got the new stadium built. It looks as though they could be at, you know, maybe they're at an inflection point in the history of the club. Right. Maybe Maybe they're about to sort of become a properly big club for the first time since maybe the the, the the 60s. I mean, Tottenham have always kind of been a big club, but you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, exactly. with the sort of financial power. Okay, the this, this stadium thing has, it seems to be costing a lot of money and it's not open and there's been all kinds of delays. There's been all kinds of frustrations for Pochettino in terms of he hasn't been allowed to really take the team to the next level in the way that, say, Klopp has at Liverpool. Yes. You know, Liverpool have said to Klopp, okay, here's money for 
Alistair, here's money for Van Dijk, here's money for Keita. You know, they've they've put together a really powerful team. And whereas Pochettino's kind of been asked to, to continue to do more with less or do more with the same amount, you know, and it's difficult, but he does it. Yeah. This is why this this is what makes him so different from Mourinho. He's just he's got such a positive attitude. And he's brilliant. Whereas Mourinho is complaining, yeah. oh, I didn't get this, didn't get that. Pochettino got nobody. I mean, a lot of managers would have gone completely insane over that. But Pochettino just sort of said, okay, well, this wasn't what I wanted, but let's go. It sort of shows the, the measure of the man, I think. The question for him is, is it worth walking away from this team where I'm working really well and now everybody... And maybe we're we're about to sort of take the next step to to the next level in order to take over this kind of uh, failing operation, which is far far richer, far more powerful, um, would have more money to spend, but would have to sort of start over. Right. Would I end up walking away from the greatest opportunity of my life just because Manchester United are, are you know historically the bigger club? You know that's a real dilemma. I'm sure it's one Daniel Levy would be able to make to Pochettino Although in persuasive terms. This funny so, can. I've gone on for a long Sorry. time here, but I would say Pochettino would be a brilliant manager for them, but it's a very difficult decision for him to make, and it's a difficult one for them to get. No, but actually, what I'll say is, and you didn't actually go on long, I was, I was very much enjoying it, and I, I just wanted to sort of come in as well and say, it's funny because one thing Pochettino might reflect on is, yes, it's a huge opportunity, but he himself created it. I mean, you know, he made that, you know, it was his assist. And the one thing I love about Spurs in particular is they've created the continuity and the structure that someone, let's say someone like Jardim went in, who's obviously jobless at the moment. If Jardim went into Spurs right now with the structure that's been created, he could do a very creditable job. I think I think Tottenham are certainly an easier team to take over at this point than Manchester United in terms right. of there's, there's more, there's a stable kind of a base there to work with. Unless, of course, Poch joins United, brings Harry Kane with him. Uh, oh, goodness. Harrison, and suddenly <laughs> they've... The power of nightmares. Spurs. <laughs> Spurs have paid for the stadium now, but there's nobody left in it and Spurs are in absolute uproar at, well, you know, I mean, that's the other thing maybe has to think about. It's like, oh, the stadium. Ken, can, can, can we just, can I, I'm sorry to cut you off there, but I'd just love to apologise to Spurs fans listening to this podcast. We asked Ken to talk about United's future, not create nightmarish scenarios for Spurs' future. <laughs> it's, awful. So, it's awful, but this is the way. It's, it's like just United just calmly discussing the, the dismembering of, of Tottenham. You know, I can't yeah. imagine the rage that you must feel as a Tottenham fan, they just to, to, to hear this, yes. but like, this is, this is the reality. Everybody wants Pochettino. Everybody wants Harry Kane. You know, Mourinho tried hard to get him and, uh, and, and couldn't do it. Uh, but you know, maybe Pochettino will be able to twist his arm. So in that case, let me cross my fingers for all listeners. Let me cross my fingers that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is magnificent because then that will allow Pochettino to stay where he is and make Spurs the club. They truly deserve that, that to be would the be, That would actually be better for everybody. Wouldn't yeah, it? It would. Yeah, I mean, would. if only, if Solskjaer could come along and become a, you know, a hero, uh, you know, he, he could be, uh, he could do United, Pochettino could stick with Tottenham and suddenly we've got all these teams going well, um, having a nice, nice competition against you. everyone really being really nice and positive to each other as exactly. well. Exactly. No, nobody uh, calling anyone a specialist in failure or anything like that. You know, <laughs> it's all just Klopp and Sarri like hugging each other on the touchline going, what a great game that was. <laughs> Actually, you know, it is missing a little bit of kind of grit in the oyster, isn't it? Like, I've got like a funny feeling though that Solskjaer is going to be a little bit more naughty than people think he might be. I think, so. I think so. Oh, you think? Yeah, I think so. I what think... makes you think that? Well, there was uh, when he was interviewed at Cardiff and they were asking about the Liverpool title race and he was like I couldn't care less and then there was also I don't care. A, there was a couple of <laughs> yeah, other times where um, 
Apparently he got dropped and he really kicked off at Ferguson about it and ended up back in the team. So I think there's a little Did bit he? more yeah, there's a little bit more bite to him than Oh, there's plenty. Than so they, they managed yeah. they managed to suppress those stories. Yeah, it's, it's like conception. Once you start once you start pulling at the threads, it's all there. Yeah. Wow, okay. Well I mean yeah. you know, I, I I sorry, I just I just bought the whole Airbrush Solskjaer you know, self-sacrificing hero story. No, that's like Camelot. Ken, we should probably leave you to it because I imagine the last couple of days you've done nothing to speak (laughs) about Mourinho. It's like, (laughs) oh, no, no, no. I I mean, I'm kind of, I started thinking, Jesus, like, I'm basically like a dung beetle. And like, Mourinho's (laughs) a giant elephant. He's just done the most enormous, (laughs) the most enormous pile of, and I've I've just had to get out there diligently rolling. It's like an opportunity like this. You just got to roll your sleeves up, you know, and I've just been rolling balls of Mourinho dung. For the last 48 hours, and it's like, oh, enough. We've both had enough. So, Ken, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. If you want to follow more of Ken's work, please find him on Twitter. His handle is at Ken Earlies. That's K E N, then early, and then S at the end. His stuff is fantastic. So, thank you so much, Ken. Have a fantastic winter. Thank you very much, uh, Mirza and Ryan. Good to be on. Right, before we go, I want to see who you think. He's going to get the job. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. I wasn't warned about that. Who will get Just the United job? hit you with job? a curveball. Who will get the United job? Daniel Levy is going to be very difficult to negotiate with. He will not let Pochino go without a fight. Actually, I should cut in here and say Michael, I think, is a little bit nervous about it. Me and him were texting about it last night, and um, he was saying Poch doesn't have an agent, apparently. So he right. deals with his own contracts. Also, if Manchester United are going to get him, it's going to cost an absolute arm and a leg, because Levy is a you know, a notorious negotiator. Also, sorry, I know I'm kind of answering the question I asked you, but Thank you. I don't think he'll go there if United are as they are now at the end of the season, because I think he'd be crazy too. I don't think he would. I think, he, I'd, I think he'd be like, well, this isn't what I need right now. However, I think he might want to go if between now and the end of the season, United change the structure to a point where he can walk in and get certain reassurances as well. Certain reassurances, money to spend, and kind of like a free reign because like Michael was saying as well, and I agree with him that this Tottenham is essentially built in his image in a way, or he has the kind of authority. And I don't think he's going to walk out of there to go to Manchester United. Basically, what I'm saying is I think he could go, but I think there would have to be a lot that needs to change at Manchester United between now and June if he is going to go. Which is why I think he will go. You think he will? Yes, because you've appointed a caretaker manager, right? Which means that it's completely legit to negotiate with anybody else in the world at this point. It's completely legitimate to go to Pochino right now and start saying, what do you need in order to join? And this is completely normal. If you look at Germany, Nagelsmann signed a contract with Hoffenheim, you know, with with, With Leipzig, Leipzig, sorry. Um, A year before he went. A year before he went. It's completely normal to sign a contract with someone in other countries, right? It's completely normal practice. Pochettino's done everything the right way. He's been at this is his fifth season at Spurs. Mm-hmm. It is the end of a natural cycle for him. Even though Spurs are about to go into a new stadium, he has set up that club so well that basically the sign of the job Pochettino's done is you could put any one of five coaches right now in charge of Spurs and they'd still be brilliant mm. if they just carried on taking his instructions. You could put Hiddink there. You could put, not being funny, but that's how good Pochettino is. Mm. That's how amazing he's been. Now, here's the thing, and I want to say this to Spurs fans listening. I don't like the idea of disrupting Spurs' progress just to get an incredible manager. And I know that some will say, oh, you're a United fan. Look, I'm a bigger football fan than I am a United fan. I love seeing Spurs get to the point they were at, sort of, you know, sort of early 60s, competitive, flowing football. The ideal world, Pochettino would stay at Spurs, Solskjaer would be brilliant. He'd start playing Pogba in a midfield three as a kind of proto-De Bruyne type player. 
and we'd see the best of Pogba. That's an ideal world. And we'd see Martial blossom to the point where he was a first choice forward for France yeah. in the Euros. I mean, I, I, I would like, I would prefer to see Pochettino stay at Spurs. For the sake of the I'm, Premier League, I would. Actually. Well, I just think for speaking as a football fan, I'm really interested to see how far he can take them whilst moving to the new stadium. Yeah. And also, in a weird way, I'm intrigued to see how another manager navigates that stadium change in the Premier League because we've only really had kind of one guy do it. And I think it would be interesting to see whether it propels Spurs on or whether it really hinders them. I don't think it will hinder them long term. It's not going to, otherwise they would have moved. But in that first couple of years there, it'd be really interesting to see, because I really like Pochettino. I think he's a really great manager. I think he really needs to start winning stuff. Not to say whether he's good or not. I think for him, his own personal, right. I think he wants to win stuff. And I think that it would be good for him to stay at Spurs, deliver a trophy or two before moving on to somewhere. Because they might buy them. Manchester United might be in a hell of a lot more stable place. Then he can go there. But this yeah. the thing, And this is the thing, and, and just to sort of close off my thoughts on this and to add to your points. I think that Pochino will get the job in the summer simply because he now has the time to say what structure he wants. He has unbelievable leverage. He has the greatest leverage of any manager since Ferguson like leverage, forget the pressure of the job. Yeah. He can now say, this hasn't worked. You've tried it other ways. You've been reactive. Here are the structures I need. Here are the players I need. Here are the defenders I need. He could even put in an early order mm. in January. If they bring in a defender in January, we can reliably assume that has been a choice made for the long term and a choice maybe on which Pochino might have been consulted by a third party. We don't know. So I think he'll get the job because I think United actually will pay through the nose for him. And they'll have to treat it like the transfer for Pogba. They'll have to be like, yeah, you know, in the old days, you bought a world-class midfielder for yeah. X million. You buy These days, you buy a world-class manager, manager for yeah. this much. And I, I think also think good. that this time around, I think maybe the top guys at United are, are aware that they need to rebuild. They're wiser. I think so. Um, I think, so. I think this, is, this has kind of burnt them a little bit. Um, but yeah. Well, good. Well, so, and can we go back on our Christmas holidays now? That was an action-packed podcast. And can I just say, um, before we go, and before we say another thank you to the audience for bearing with us this year and listening to us and subscribing and tuning in, can I make one quick request to the gods of football not to have any more surprise news before the new year? Not because... until preferably January the 7th, or maybe January the 6th, yeah. so we can record it on January the 7th, which is when we're back, by the way. No more um, surprises, no more messy double hat-tricks. None of that would be a surprise, but you know, no more breaking news, please. It's a good until... job I you know, managed to get the... The Rabona searchlight out and shine it off the roof the bat to, signal. to summon you all. So <laughs> Michael's already gone, but I was just like, oh, there's a big R in the sky. Fantastic. Well, listen, there's a big R in the sky, but you can find us also. <laughs> <laughs> Segway. You can find us on all social media platforms. Our handle is the same across all of those at Rabona Mag. Thank you so much for tuning in. Do you know what we should do? We should, should we also, do? if you want to follow Musa on Twitter, you should follow him at Mokwonga. He wants to do that. Uh, if you want to follow Michael, it's at MJ Da Silva. That's true. And if you want to follow me, it's at Bad Goal Rai Rai. At Bad Goal Rai Rai. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have a good, have a good uh, holiday period, festive season, Christmas time, whatever. Take care, safe journey. Catch you in 2019.